0: Knowing the headlines isn't always enough. Sometimes you need to talk about it. For stimulating conversation on the day's hot topics, this is your station. This is your show. The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chad Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. It's Friday, my friends. A good Friday morning to you.
1: 906, five seconds away from nine oh seven. In just a second, we're going to talk to Harvey T. Strasberg, Harvey, a, a senior partner uh, at a law firm uh, out of Ontario, Sutts Strasberg LLP. They're known for their class action suits. As a matter of fact, they launched one last fall. On behalf of Volkswagen owners regarding those rigged emissions tests. Maybe we'll ask Mr. Strasberg about that, but the reason we're particularly interested to catch up with him he's representing the onion lake and pound maker cree bands they're accusing indian oil and gas canada of failing to promote and develop energy resources on their lands we'll get into some of the details they want three billion dollars from ottawa they say you've bungled this entire thing on our behalf we'll talk to harvey strasburg in just a second after 9:30. a university of regina professor He's a professor of educational technology and media. He's come up with a website to help people that have been uh, victims of what we call catfishing. Can you really use the word victim? Maybe. I guess it depends on how far it goes. You know what catfishing is all about? Basically, somebody starts a a fake profile on a social media platform. They represent something that they're really not, and they, they dupe people. Sometimes it's for fun. Sometimes there's a romantic or emotional element. Sometimes people get taken for their life savings. We'll talk to Dr. Alec Kuros coming up after 9.30. In the 10 o'clock hour, this will be an interesting conversation. Danielle Boudreaux joins me in studio. She's uh, the founder of uh, an annual march here in Edmonton that recognizes, remembers, and honors women who have gone missing or who have been murdered. She's lost her own sister. She comes from firsthand experience. Danielle Boudreau herself used to work in the sex trade. She knows what she's talking about, which is why I find it particularly interesting that she says the federal government's plan to conduct an inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women is a waste of time. We'll find out why Danielle Boudreau believes that just after the 10 o'clock news. And in the 11 o'clock hour, of course... This weekend, Sunday, Valentine's Day, don't miss our Romance Roundtable with Corey Hrushka, a registered psychologist and certified sex therapist, Wanda Owasiak, a professional matchmaker, and Elizabeth Manuel, a life coach and happiness expert. Should be a lively conversation after 11 o'clock. Lawyers behind a lawsuit over a long-simmering dispute involving some First Nations and Ottawa Launched a lawsuit on Monday. The statement filed by Harvey T. Strasberg and his associates. Mr. Strasberg joining us now over the phone from Windsor, Ontario. Good morning and thank you for your time.
2: Thank you very much for inviting me here,
1: Harvey. For those of us that 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 are uh, maybe we're spectators when it comes to legal matters like this, but we're far from experts. Can you boil this down the argument to its essence and, and help us understand exactly what these First Nations bands are alleging?
2: Well, first of all, this is a class action, and it's a, it, it's there's two um, uh, Aboriginal nations. That uh, the Pound Baker Cree Nation and the uh, Onion Lake Cree Nation are saying that the government uh, uh, botched their duty um, to uh, to um, the these nations, and um, you and I, uh, if we had, uh, you and I if we had freehold uh, property. We could start a, we could uh, sink a uh, well or lease our property to BP or someone else. The uh, Aboriginal can't do that. They have to go through the government of Canada. They have to say, to the government, take care of it for me. That 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 will they're, they're, Therefore, the government is a fiduciary, and that has to they have to de- deal with in the best interests of the uh, the Aboriginal nations. And we say the
1: the government didn't do the uh, a correct job. So just so I'm clear, this is, this is not a claim to the actual rights themselves, the subsurface mineral rights, correct? Because no landowner or no landholder is entitled to, you know, in, in, in layman's terms, the value of the oil underneath them, correct?
2: No. We, we, we say that they, there's no dispute that the, the reserve areas uh the the aboriginals uh nations have the right to exploit the oil and gas below their reserves that's no no question but it, how do they deliver that how the the aboriginals they have to go the to go to the a federal government and say to them, "Please deal with my you, lease my lease my reserves out. make the deals for us and um, do th- things that correctly they we say the government botched this. For example, Drainage. Um, the the pound maker. Um, there was forty one wells on their uh, the reserve. Next door, there was two hundred and forty one, and they therefore the, they're the they're all on the same pool of oil and gas, and the and the their their share of the pool of the pool of
1: oil and gas went down now there's also an assertion that essentially oil is being stolen from underneath them correct that there are these big pools and people are draining them from outside the boundaries of their land yeah
2: that it's
1: that's it's drainage not step drainage so they're just drainage. saying, they're, they're not alleging that it's stolen, but they're saying if there was more drilling on our land uh, the drainage wouldn't be happening to such a great For degree sure. and the, we'd the, be entitled we, to more royalties? We,
2: we That's right. Um, the 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 allegation in the, the class action is the government should have been aware of this drainage and should have stopped the drainage or uh, did the, the they should have sent uh, off-site notices to the other people and uh, started collection issues.
1: Okay. Uh, Mr. Strasberg. before I let you go, very quickly, you launched, I think it was back in September, a class action on behalf of Volkswagen owners to the tune of $1.1 billion over those rigged emission tests. Can you bring us up to speed on exactly where that's at? Well, we... we, um in Ontario we got
2: um uh, my consortium I'm one of the lead counsel and uh, we got uh we have we the judge Bella Baba Justice Bella Baba said our consortium will have Ontario and uh, just yesterday there was a uh, there was a, um, a motion in the the Alberta court and uh, and uh, um, we delivered our certification material, and in June we will be uh, the, there'll be a order whether or not the, this class can. Uh, continue as a class action.
1: Okay, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Harvey Strasburg, sure. uh, thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate you shedding Thank some light on this. Thank you very much for inviting me. Certainly. Bye-bye. That's uh, Harvey T. Strasberg, a senior partner at SUTS Strasburg LLP. Uh, you probably just got the sense right there that these legal proceedings could really, really drag on we'll fit in a quick break we'll be back to the text line i'll get you some more details on this lawsuit it involves the onion lake and Poundmaker cree bands of course the onion lake straddles that border between alberta and saskatchewan and they're expecting other first nations to join this as well they say that there are five that are ready to jump in and i mean why wouldn't they they also say they're open to a settlement and why wouldn't they be We'll get to details on this. I'm curious to know what you think. Are you up to speed on this story? I'd also love to hear from landowners. I mean, we've done a little bit of digging, no pun intended. Done a little bit of research to learn more about subsurface mineral rights. <laughs> the story of the Beverly Hillbillies. It, it. That's not really how it works in Canada. You know, you're, you're kind of in in the backwoods, and you discover while well, you're I don't know, bringing in a a backhoe to put a swimming pool in that you're, you're sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars of fossil fuels, it's not yours. You don't get to keep it all. And that's what I was most curious to know if Mr. Strasberg, on behalf of these First Nations, his clients was, was alleging that that oil was theirs. They're not. They're just saying there are missed opportunities. So we'll get into some of the details, kind of quick hits on that. If you'd like to be in touch with the show based on what you already know about this story or based on some questions you may have, we'll do our best to answer them. 780-496-0063. Back in two minutes.
0: You're listening to The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station.
1: Our thanks to Harvey T Strasburg for joining us, a senior partner at Sut Strasburg L L P. Harvey is is regarded as kind of Uh, He probably wouldn't phrase it this way, but Canada's kingpin of class action suits. As a matter of fact, he presents an annual essay contest for for law students, a $10,000 prize up for grabs for the best essay on class action suits. So the guy knows what he's talking about, representing, as you heard, Volkswagen owners in a class action suit against that automaker. And also, uh, following a statement filed late on Monday, the Onion Lake and Poundmaker Cree Bands, who have filed suit. It's it's a $3 billion lawsuit over Aboriginal energy rights, Aboriginal oil. They've accused Indian Oil and Gas Canada, by the way, how long is that name going to stick? Indian Oil and Gas Canada of failing to promote and develop energy resources on their lands, as well as failing to protect those resources from being drained by wells adjacent to them. Now, Harvey says, we want the court to make it into a class action suit. This is because Aboriginal bands are not allowed to disburse reserve land. So as he said, energy companies that are looking to develop oil and gas beneath reserves must deal with this organization, Indian Oil and Gas Canada. It's responsible for promoting development, negotiating deals, issuing licenses, collecting royalties and monitoring activity. So as you heard, the claim alleges there have been 41 wells drilled on Poundmaker lands with 10 of them producing. That compares with 242 wells, so roughly six times as many, with 86 producing immediately adjacent to the reserve. So these First Nations, yeah, sure, they've got some, and I don't know all the terminology, but you know, they've got the pump jacks, they've got wells on their land, but six times as many around them and royalties are involved. So they're saying this is missed revenue on our part. There are pools of oil beneath us and they're being drained, and we're not seeing any of this revenue. Onion Lake, close to here, straddling the Saskatchewan-Alberta boundary, included in this. Several other First Nations expected to join. They allege that Ottawa didn't protect the resources. They're also asking for a full audit of how Indian oil and gas has handled First Nations energy reviews, generally speaking. They say it's archaic colonial law. They say that they hope to negotiate a settlement with the Liberal government. They say, so said Mr. Strasberg who spoke with us, if you wanna fight, we'll fight, but if you wanna talk, we'll talk and we prefer to talk. Get to some of the comments here on the text line to 630, 630. Bill out of Stettler says, This seems odd. I thought in most cases Aboriginals were against pipelines. So why are they wanting to develop oil resources? Brian says, I worked on a, a group of First Nations reserves for three years. They were less than cooperative with Indian Oil and Gas Canada, actually, belligerent toward them in my experience. Says, There have been large sums of money. And they've given them to residents of those reserves. He says, uh, once kids turned 18, from 80000 up to $120,000, says then complains the government didn't invest properly enough. I wonder, Brian, and, and I'm not necessarily questioning your experience, but are we talking about the same thing? Is that revenue from drilling underneath those particular reserves i'm not sure ted says onion lake is one of the bands that would not disclose their financials already now they want access to more money now ted keep in mind there was an asterisk there as well that was that was kind of a battle that was a battle between first nations and the harper conservatives you remember that the the whole transparency thing there's there's a lot more to that story bands that weren't going to provide open their books let's say on the Prime Minister's orders. That, that, we talked about that on this show. That, that's not just a one-sentence story. Stephen says, so we have First Nations bans blocking development of oil and pipelines and, and now we have those same bands or others suing for not enough development? This is unbelievable. John D. says, Aboriginals suing government because they're using their land for exploration then suing them because they're not? He says, I, I'm not sure I understand this. Brian says, Indian Oil and Gas Canada doesn't have access to off-reserve drilling. So did they even know that wells were directionally drilled under the reserve? They're bound by law. Steve says, maybe First Nations should be more vocal in supporting the oil industry. All we hear in the news is these bands complaining. Alberta should join the class action suit and sue Canada for not being able to expand industry. Welcome to the club. We're all in the same boat. Ooh, I wonder if he's on to something. Can you imagine the government of Alberta suing Ottawa for failing to facilitate access to tidewater for our natural resources? Wouldn't that be interesting? Now, I get what everyone's saying. Not everyone. I get what some of you are saying. First Nations are blocking pipelines and now they want more exploration. We're talking different First Nations here, right? When you're talking about First Nations on the West Coast that are causing a big stink over, say, Northern Gateway, for example... Those are different First Nations than those that are right here in the province of Alberta or Saskatchewan, and in fact heading in the opposite direction for some. Steve holding the line, 780-496-0063. Steve, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Um, Well,
3: they've been doing that to farmers. Oil companies have been doing that to farmers all over Alberta for many,
1: many years. I was waiting for this phone call.
3: And it's a losing battle, and it's going to piss a lot of people off if these uh, reserves, these Indian reserves, win this fight. Because what gives them more special treatment, you know, for the, the commodities that are under
1: their land than anyone else? Well, Steve, why don't we approach this from a different angle? Maybe it's great news for farmers. Maybe we'll see another class action suit that could cost Ottawa $40 billion. Right? And I mean, if, if precedent is set here. Okay, fair enough.
0: I mean, I, I'm, mean not, not, I'm not a lawyer.
3: Ottawa is going to take that money from its citizens.
0: <laughs> True.
3: So you're kind of stealing from Paul to feed Peter here. Yeah. But anyways.
1: It's a good thought, Steve. I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. I mean, nobody, you know, like we said, you you don't own the oil that may or may not be under your property. It's not how it works. Wouldn't it be great if it was? I mean, everybody would be digging up their backyards, even here in the city center. (laughs) I would be. Wouldn't be surprised to see more First Nations join the class action lawsuit. I mean, why wouldn't you? I'm not sure where Ottawa goes with this. Someone here suggesting that it's interesting that this is being put in front of the Trudeau Liberal government as opposed to the Harper Conservative government with these First Nations looking for a settlement. I wonder about the timing. You can let us know what you think about this. It's it's an interesting story. We'll continue to keep an eye on it. This 3 billion dollar lawsuit that The representative for these First Nations, Harvey Strasberg, wants to be declared in court a class action, and then we'll see who joins. Coming up after this newscast, we'll talk to Dr. Alec Kuros, a University of Regina professor who's started up a website to assist people who are being catfished. Have you fallen hook, line, and sinker for someone misrepresenting themselves online? Do you maybe not even realize it's happening to you right now? That's where we'll go after this.
0: This is The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chat, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. We'll
1: talk to Dr. Alec Koros in just a second from the University of Regina, a new, uh, a very interesting resource for those that have been catfished or those that may, uh, hey, you may be catfished. As we speak, is, is catfishing a verb? We'll have to ask the good doctor. Denise says, uh, I'm First Nations. I think that if there's oil on First Nations land, they should be entitled to it or getting some sort of payment for it. Other reserves have received funds the same way. Why is this any different? To say we get special treatment is utterly ridiculous. I'd like to clear that up for people. If you were forced to basically live on the worst land possible, then I believe that uh, when land has something to offer, considering the government provided that to us, then if it somehow becomes profitable, that's our right. Yes, we believe in preserving the land to live off, but if it's going to be forcefully taken, then there should be monetary compensation. A good point here uh, from a couple of you, a listener out of Edmonton says, hey, keep in mind, it is possible to own the oil just like in the United States, just like the Beverly Hillbillies. If you own the mineral rights, my family has a parcel of land that we bought a long time ago. My my grandparents, you know, had it and, and we have the mineral rights as well. Unfortunately, there's just not enough oil to be worth drilling as we did have it tested. Now, Jim says, we have the oil rights on a quarter section and there are wells all around it that are producing oil, but not one on our land. So I wonder, can we sue the government also? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, here here's how it works. So most land in Alberta has two titles, right? The owner of the surface title, like you, probably most likely what your home is built on, probably 98% of us. We have control of the land's surface and the right to work it. The owner of the mineral title has the right to explore for and produce oil, gas, and other minerals from under the land's surface. Now, the surface owner's certificate of title, your certificate of title, is subject to the mineral owner's right to enter the land. In order to work and remove the minerals, this approach to land rights here in Alberta is based on the assumption that obtaining oil, gas, and other minerals is in the general public's interest and only when the crown is the mineral owner. I don't want to keep Dr. Koros waiting too long. We could spend a lot of time here talking about the two titles, surface title and mineral title, and some of the implications there. Many of you have chimed into the show with one sentence. Ryan, how is a class action suit a good thing? Let me clarify. Received that call from Steve. Steve says if First Nations are getting paid out due to horizontal drilling, due to essentially oil, pools of oil being sucked dry underneath them because there aren't wells being drilled over top, what about farmers? And I said, I implied, yeah, for you, if you're representing the farmers in this case, if a class action uh, lawsuit is settled out of court, that would be precedent. Would it not? Obviously, it'd be a little bit different because it involves the agency Indian Oil and Gas Canada, and there would be differences. I'm just saying, of course, it's not a good thing, if our tax, if we start paying out billions and billions and billions of dollars to settle these suits popping up due to oil pools being drained and missed opportunities. And I mean, this is a legal mess. I'm not the guy to get your legal advice from. I'm just saying to Steve, that could be a precedent there. Have you heard of catfishing? Have you ever been catfished? A University of Regina professor of educational technology and media by the name of Dr. Alec Kuro specializes in social media and technology. He's just put a new website out there. We're going to tweet out the link. We're also going to link to it at 630 com that aims to help catfish victims find answers. Dr. Kouros joining us over the phone this morning. Doctor, thank you for your time. Hey there. Thanks for having me. What is catfishing for those that have never heard the term before?
2: Yeah,
3: like the term actually comes from there was a documentary a while ago by Nev Schulman, which was later turned into an a, a ongoing series. And basically, it's a term that was used, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the, the thing itself. It's just sort of a term that, that stuck. Uh, ultimately, it's romance scams and, and, and confidence tricks. So what pay, people generally do is there's there's a number of scammers that are doing this big time where they'll take photographs of you from your facebook account and then they'll create sort of these these new profiles with new friends and you know kind of a network of friends they'll use these particular profiles to um, message you on facebook or on dating sites or whatever it might be Um, obviously they're, they're not the actual people that are in the photographs but over time they um they gain your confidence these are confidence tricks and then they get into relationships with you and so you might spend time talking to them on the phone or whatever it might be. And and many people are duped into this relationship and ultimately they might spend some uh, money at some point. And and, and these scammers are really, really effective at this. And it seems a bit implausible, but it's incredibly effective and people are losing money like crazy.
1: How common is this? I mean, I suppose it might be a tough question to answer because good catfishers are probably flying under the radar, right? I mean, this is kind of a relatively new thing.
3: It, it is. Now, in terms of people
1: actually. We may have lost the good doctor, Matty. You want to work on that? Uh, we'll see if we can get Dr. Alec Kuros back. Matthew Panassio will work on that. We'll place a call to the University of Regina. We'll fit in a quick break. More with this catfishing expert here on chat
0: after this. You're listening to The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. All right, we've got him back. Dr.
1: Alec Koros from the University of Regina, professor of educational technology and media. Doctor, we, we, we lost contact right as we had asked you how common catfishing was can, can sit, and, and how much we even know about it in, in the context of evaluating how common it is, considering that all this social media stuff is, is new, you know, within the last 10 years or so.
3: Right, yeah, it, it's really hard to tell, but we're seeing increasingly uh, a number of people coming forward in terms of people who have actually uh, been victimized. And these are the people who have actually lost money or have gotten into relationships or nearly lost money. So uh, you, you see stats coming in from the Canadian anti, uh, anti-fraud uh, uh, organization. Uh, you see them commonly um, in media reports. There is a, a number of sort of big fish caught where people are actually sending hundreds of thousands of dollars to these scammers um the other side of it though there's uh you get a lot of requests in facebook for instance uh, of people you may not know that's becoming a a growing issue um so uh, we see a lot of people who may get sort of these really suspicious um uh friend requests or or message requests on a number of different sites so it's becoming really rampant and ultimately the idea um, is that some of your photos maybe you're not going to get caught up in one of these schemes but some of your photos might be used to develop new fraudulent um, of the profiles which causes some issues to me and it certainly caused a lot of issues to me over the last eight years.
1: So you're saying that even if somebody's not in contact with you even if you don't perceive that you're building this friendship someone may be accessing the information you're putting out there and using it for nefarious purposes?
3: Absolutely. So my own profiles, and this is one of the reasons I put this site out here, over the last eight years, people have been using my photograph to develop these fake accounts. So I get uh, uh, many women, uh, typically women, who um, come to me and basically say that they felt that they've actually fallen in love with me, but then they realize later on that someone was just using my photograph. And many of these people have lost uh, a lot of money. The very first day I put out this site, over 100 women contacted me to see that, to say basically that they had been scammed or nearly scammed,
1: and I mean, how this, there there are obviously varying degrees of this. I mean, some of them are just kind of I don't want to say innocent, but someone goes, "Oh boy, I'm, I'm glad I dodged that bullet." In in other cases, we hear of people essentially losing their life savings, or even worse. Right.
3: Yeah, there was a, a, a story back just in Saskatoon, in, in, in 2013 uh, where a woman spent about 191 thousand dollars to be scammed. Totally convinced that this person was real and. And that she was really in a relationship with this person, and she was starting to tap into the funds of other people. So she was, I think, she sold her house, or mortgaged her house. But um, and you see this quite often, where people are not only taking out loans, but they're getting into their life savings or borrowing from others. Um, it, it becomes, I mean, these the, the trust becomes so great in these things that they'll do absolutely anything for these. And you know, you may think this is just delusional, or or. Um, you know unusual but it is that the tricks the psychological tricks that these scammers use make it so incredibly difficult for these people to sort of get out of these relationships
1: how are how are police involved in this I mean is law enforcement able to keep up with this kind of thing do you perceive that it's a priority
3: I don't think it's a priority and I think that it's something that really needs to be done I think cyber crime in general is Something that is just not being taken care of. I mean, I mean, we have some, we have a lack of resources. There's no doubt about it in all sort of types of crime. But this one doesn't seem to be t- uh, be taken very seriously. Um, and part of part of the issue on this particular scam, why it's not being taken seriously, is because of lack of jurisdiction.
1: Lack of jurisdiction in the sense because it's online, they go well. This guy could be you know working out of Louisiana state, and there's nothing we can do as the Edmonton police. Yeah.
3: Most of these, most of the, the these particular scams, uh, they come from. They're actually based on the Nigerian um, criminal code. Uh, so these these are the same guys that send you you know your your inheritances. Um, so typically Nigeria or Ghana is where the majority of these scams come from. So um, the law enforcement is not cooperative. Uh, in, in some cases, in, in 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 countries like this, in some cases uh, there's a lot of corruption. For instance, um, and and law enforcement to go after any particular person or any particular case. I mean, these are there's literally thousands and thousands of these cases. And so, as you know, you know, with the drug trade, often the um, the emphasis is putting trying to get them onto the kingpins or or something that you know the the sort of the uh, the major uh, units of these organizations rather than the peddlers at the very bottom. So I think that's, that becomes a real issue in terms of how do you actually attack this because these aren't just single scammers. These are actually networks and gangs and it, it's very much organized crime and it's very, very successful. Really? Absolutely, yes. This is this is organized crime at, at one of the highest levels. Um, many of many of the uh, research articles I've read on this, actually a lot of this leads to arms trade, uh, terrorism and all the other things. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of, where, um, you know, where the funding actually goes. It's just one of many ways that uh, organized crime
1: gets its funding. It's, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't <clears throat> expect you, a doctor to hear the phrase organized crime here, because like many, and, and you referenced it already, I did watch, I marveled at that film, Catfish, and I, I would encourage people to watch it. And we won't give too much away. But I mean, it's it's fascinating to see exactly how that Plot develops and and where that film winds up, but I guess you don't imagine organized criminals taking part in this, but but why wouldn't they? Essentially, let's call it what it is: it's fraud, right? Absolutely, yeah, so,
3: it is, and and it's hard to catch because a lot of these people are, are foolish. I mean, they're using fake profiles, but ultimately they end up making bad decisions based on bad information. So if every single person who's made a bad decision in an or in, in a relationship is charged with fraud uh, or, or that other person is charged with fraud, then it becomes really sticky. So that's, that's kind of, but, but within the process of doing this, there's a lot of fake passports, fake documents, documents fake marriage certificates. There's all sorts of uh, you know, fraudulent documents that are created through the process. And, and the documentary you mentioned, um, I mean, the, the, the angle is a bit different. This is about a lonely woman who's trying to get attention uh, and kind of connect with another person. In these cases, the great majority of these particular um, scams are really directed ultimately. um, uh, They come from Nigeria or Ghana. Um, They're they're, they're related to those general 419 scams, um, and they're really targeting money, and that's that's kind of a sad part of this but they're much bigger than anyone really really looks into
1: Mm. steve's listening in from barhead this morning he says this is a great topic he says i'm always getting these friend requests on facebook i ignore them and i report them as spam is that a starting point doctor you'd recommend if you're getting a request from someone on facebook to connect and you have no idea who this person is you have no mutual friends or or maybe just a handful that you ignore that or even go further and report them
3: uh, reporting would be a great thing, and that's that's one of the things, and I'm really one of the great point from Steve, because one of the things that we fall into is when you friend that person who just has maybe no mutual friends or maybe one mutual friend, and you don't really know how you know them, and people's tendency are to, well, I might know that person. Maybe I should contact them for business or friends or whatever else. Once you do that, then that next person in your network gets a friend request from someone. And so what you've done is you've actually allowed this person to come in and because most of your photographs might be private, those people can come in and harvest your photographs and then use your photographs to create these next, uh, this next series of, of, of fraudulent accounts. So they were basically harvesting your information to use it against other people. And this all happens when we give too much trust to one particular person in our network, and this all is kind of a domino effect if you think about it.
1: Yeah, no kidding. So you, you uh, and, and I'll let our listeners know if you're just joining us, uh, Dr. Koros, uh, we're speaking to Dr. Alec Koros from the University of Regina Faculty of Education, has, has put a web resource out there and I've linked to it off my Twitter account as well. You can find it by following the links at educationaltechnology.ca. You advise people once they realize they've been defrauded to report it to police and to contact the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre as well. What's that centre all about? What are they going to do?
3: Well, one of the things I, I think that their their main goal is to—they're uh, not going to go after this particular crime on your behalf. I mean, that's left to law enforcement. But ultimately, they're they're looking at statistics. They're trying to get a better idea of where. Uh, fraud happens whether it's cybercrime or otherwise and then they're able to at least advise for the for the resources that need to be uh, applied so if if no one's reporting then there's fewer than you know the police and, and other organizations who can combat these things don't actually know that this is becoming a problem so every time we can add to that data i think it becomes a really very important activity that we do just to make sure that others know how bad this can be and the tendency for many victims is they feel foolish. They've lost money. They don't know what to do, and, you know, it, with other crimes as well. Uh, it becomes very personal to them. They don't want to report. So we see this certainly underreported as many other crimes in society.
1: Hmm. Is there a story that pops out? I mean, I know you've done a lot of digging on this, and, and, and you're, I mean, you're one of the renowned experts in this area specifically. Is there one story that jumps out that, that just it was a punch in your gut when you realized how far this had gone to someone?
3: Uh, yeah, and I have it on. The, it's on one of the blog posts that I have on that site that you've uh, tweeted. Um, there was a Texas banker who uh, believed that she had fallen in love with me with my photograph. So the scammer had her on a hook for quite a while. Like you uh, personally? Said, well, me, my my photos. Right? Like, yeah. Like she was, so wow. ultimately, it was a different name, but my photos. Um, and so the way that her son found out, uh, like, and it was her teenage son that figured it out for her. Like he thought this was kind of weird. Um, why doesn't we ever? Why don't we ever meet this guy that my mom's involved and so on? So it kind of seemed really fishy, fishy. So what he did is what you should often do is you can take an image of this person and you do what's called a reverse Google image right. or, uh, search. So you basically search by image and it shows you all the places this image is being searched for. And then so what happened was this kid did this of his mother's uh, boyfriend and ended up finding me. And so she sent me this email that. Ultimately, she said, you know what, I, I thought I was in a relationship with you for the last couple of years. Wow. I had a, I had a photograph on my nightstand as well as one in my office of you wow. that printed these things off. So she was so hook, line, and sinker for this. And I felt really bad because she said it was one of the toughest things she'd ever had to do, that she you was know, taking these photographs off her nightstand because she had totally thought that she and she had committed and she had sent money and so on. And you see a lot of that, really, really committed people I mean, just the other, um, I think just a couple of other days, one of the reasons I finally put up this site was I got a phone call at my office. Someone had just called me just to see if they, if they this was one of these people who had found, thought finally found out that it was me and not this other person. Uh, they just wanted to see if I was actually a real person, and then they sent me I mean, an incredibly sad uh, email as they just sort of realized that they were in love with someone that didn't exist.
2: Hmm.
1: Doctor, thanks for, for hanging out with us today. We, we knew that this would be an interesting topic to hear more about. I think based on the activity in our text line right now, you've given some of our listeners a lot to think about.
3: I'm very glad. Thanks for the opportunity. And I hope people, if anyone needs to get a hold of me, there's lots of information on that site. Uh, that can get you in contact with
1: me or uh, get more information on these. Perfect. And I've linked to your Twitter profile as well as this uh, web post off my Twitter profile. And uh, we'll have to speak with you next time something surfaces worth talking about. Doctor, thanks for your time. Anytime. Thank you. That's Dr. Alec Kuros, who's a uh, professor of educational technology and media in the faculty of education at the University of Regina. Bill says, "Uh, I just started deleting these so-called friends on Facebook as we speak. Yeah. A couple of thoughts on that when we return fascinating conversation with Dr. Alec Kuros. Many of you in touch with the show going, this has been a huge wake-up call. Uh, do you do that reverse Google thing, the image search? We do it all the time. Uh, I would say I do it on a weekly basis, of course, because, you know, in this role my facebook profile as an example is a little bit more open than some people's might be it it serves me well to be able to let as many people as possible know who's coming up on the show what we talked about on the show share some audio files etc and the odd time you'll get somebody on there you know we we sort of a colloquially referred to as a troll and you kind of go who is this person anyway they got their first and last name out there. They sure are gutsy with what they're putting out there. You take their profile picture, you drag it into a Google image search, you just drag it right there into the search bar, and it comes up, ah, not a real person at all. It's part of our new reality. We want to keep you informed as much as possible. Newscast coming up in just a minute, and then a fascinating conversation, I'm sure, with Danielle Boudreaux, who says this inquiry into missing and murdered women is going to be a big waste of time.